This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Book is what it looks like. Hakartha Tov, let there be rain. Um, a lesson a day on making gratitude a part of our lives. Baruch Hashem, a big schuss for me that um, this book came out on Friday. And we're going to learn from it tonight. But before we learn from this book, I want to talk a little bit about this month, which is the month of Elul. Now, the word Elul is Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed. That stands for Ani Lidodi, Uladodi Li. I am to my loved one, and my loved one is to me. So, there are two things that we need to work on in the month of Elul. One is our relationship with God. So that's Ani Lidodi, I am to my loved one, and my loved one is to me. Ishlari Ehu, Umatanos Levyonim, that we say on Purim. Right? Ishlari Ehu, a man to his friend. Umatanos, and presents Lari Ehu. So the question is, sorry about tzedakah, sorry about charity. So why does it say ishlere ehu v'keu tzedakah, right? Ishlere ehu, right? It says umatanas le'evyonim, presents for the poor. It should say tzedakah le'evyonim, money for the poor. When they come to your house and poor them, they don't want you to give them a box of chocolates, right? Or, or a Hallmark card, they want money. So... Why does it say matanos, presence, levyonim? It should say tzedakah, levyonim. And the answer is that we learn from here that when it comes to giving tzedakah, it's not about the money. It's, you have to turn what you're doing into a matana, to a present. You have to spend time with the poor person. Sit down, listen to his pain, listen to his problems. That's sometimes, sometimes you only have a dollar, right? So a dollar is not going to make someone feel great. But, thank you very much, but sitting down and giving them time and talking to them and listening to them, that is a matana. It's more than money. So, Elul is the time, relationships between us and Hashem, and relationships between us and other Jews. Matana, to give another person. What's the greatest present you can give someone? Time. Because it's the most precious thing you have is time. is your life, right? That's why it's called the present. It's called present. Because it's a present. So, so this month we have to work on on relationships with people and a relationship with Hashem. The first word in the word Elul is Ani. Ani Ladaidi, I am to God and God is to me. Usually we wait till God comes to us and then we react. But in Elul it's the other way around. We have to step up, we have to step towards Hashem. Right? Ani Ladaidi. We have to do something in our life to step towards Hashem and then He steps towards us. The point that I want to make and something that I've been speaking about this past the whole week is that there's no relationship without Ani without you, without you being healthy without you having a relationship with yourself you can't have a relationship with God you can't have a relationship with your husband you can't have a relationship at workplace you can't have a relationship with your students you can't have any relationships unless you yourself are healthy because in a relationship there's two people so if you don't exist where's the relationship? so the first word in Elul is Ani I am to my loved one. If there's no I, so El is the time to spend some time with yourself, to to meditate, or however you want to use the word, but to sit at the edge of your bed at night and think about. So we're, a year is up. Last Rosh Hashanah, we're almost at this Rosh Hashanah. What did I do this year? What did I accomplish this year? What did I accept last year, Yom Kippur, that I was going to change? Did I change it? Did it happen? Did I change it at all? All the things I took on last year, was I able to do it? 
So this is the month before we come to Rosh Hashanah. This is the month where we have to work on the Ani. Ani Ladagi. Ish. Me, the person. That's what we have to work on. This month is for going inside ourselves. And of course, if you're on your iPhone and all those other things, then you can't. The whole thing of the Yetzirah, I was telling them tonight. The crack of the Yetzirah is to make sure that you don't spend time with yourself. Right? That you're busy with everybody else and you're on the social network and you're busy with movies and all this other stuff. You don't have time to figure out who you are. You know who everyone else is. You know every actress, every actor, right? You know all that, but you don't know who you are. So this is the month. What do they call it? Self? There's a word for it. When you go inside yourself and you look at yourself. Self-introspection. Self-introspection. Going inside yourself and checking out. This is the month to do that. And figure out, you know, I made all these promises last year in Kippur. What happened? What happened to all those promises? I got three weeks left to keep them. Okay, that's what a person has to work on. Anyway, Baruch Hashem, I would like to learn from the Sefer called Let There Be Read. I would like to go to the first lesson. The first lesson in the book. I'll explain it to you. I want to thank everyone who put their, who dedicated a day, a month, whatever they dedicated. Thank you very much for making it happen. This is very exciting. It really is. All right. So here we go. First lesson in Let There Be Rain. Voracious in the beginning, the world was created, it says, for the mitzvah of Bikurim. Now, what's the mitzvah of Bikurim? The mitzvah of Bikurim is as follows. You have a, you have a farm in Eretz Yisrael. And you're growing grapes, figs, dates. So, when the first fruit begins to grow, the owner of the field has to go out and tie a red ribbon, because it's just a bud, the first bud. He ties a red ribbon around it, so that when it becomes a fruit, you know which was the first one. So, this tree has a red ribbon, and that tree has a red ribbon, and the grapes and the figs, and the seven fruits of Eretz Yisrael. And the halacha is that when they're all grown, he puts them in batana, he puts it in a basket, and he brings his basket up to the base of Mikdash, and he gives it to the Kohen, comes to the word Bechor, the oldest, the first, Bikurim. Now, very interesting to show you how God is very sensitive to a person's needs. So it says the following, the rich people brought their fruit in a gold basket. So poor people brought their fruit in a basket made out of straw. So the Kohen would keep the poor people's basket of straw and the fruit. He would take the whole thing. But the rich people, he would pour out the fruit on the table. And the gold basket was worth a lot of money. He would give back to the rich person. So Chazal asks the rabbi, yeah, I don't understand. What's the Kohen going to do with the, with the straw basket? He's not going to be able to do anything. But he should keep the gold basket for the Beis Hamikdash. Why is he giving the gold basket back and keeping the straw basket? So the rabbis say one reason is to teach us that to God, the poor man's straw basket is worth more than the rich man's gold basket. You like that? You can write a poem on that. Why? Because he had to go and he got straw. He had no money. And he made a basket with his own hands. The rich guy went and bought himself a beautiful crystal, a beautiful gold basket. So Hashem's like, it's very nice that you're buying me gold, but I'd rather have the poor man who has nothing, who made this basket with his own hands, I'd rather keep that. That's one chazal. It is a very beautiful chazal. The chazal says the following. Listen to how God is so sensitive to a person's feelings. Chazal says the following. So the rich man has servants and 
people who work on the farm. So his fruits are really beautiful fruits. The poor man, Nebuchadnezzar, he has a couple of old trees, some disease, whatever it is. Gets a couple of fruits. So the poor man's very embarrassed. He's coming to, the, the rich man's coming with the perfect fruit. And the poor man, so what did he do? The poor man would take the nice fruit that he picked, put it on top, and the not-so-nice fruit he would hide underneath. The rich man, all his fruit was beautiful. So Hashem said like this, if I'm going to make the poor man pour out the fruit and give back the basket, everyone that's there is going to see that he has bad fruit that he hid underneath. And he's going to be embarrassed. So the Kohen, you take the whole basket. Nobody knows what's underneath. The rich man pour out his fruit. It's all good fruit. There's both who's sensitive that the poor man's feelings should not be hurt. That's Bikurim. That has nothing to do with my... Just a side thing. So the lesson says the following. So Bikurim is the first fruit of the seven species of Eretz Yisrael. The Torah commands us that each year during the Beis Hamidosh, the farmers of the land should bring their Bikurim to the Beis Hamidosh and offer Hashem praise. They used to go up and they had a lot of people that would go together and they would march and they'd have a band and they would sing. It wasn't like bringing a car, but it was much bigger than that. So the question is, how does this mitzvah serve as the purpose of creation? Voracious. What is it? What, why is Voracious connected to Bikurim? So the, the Alshik says that the God created the world so that we could express our gratitude. Hakara Satov is the fundamental to our emunah and observance of the mitzvahs. That's why the mitzvah Bikurim was carried out with such great fanfare, and the farmer would make a public declaration of his thanks to Hashem. So he says like this, when a person focuses on Hashem's wondrous deeds and creations and recognizes his infinite and unparalleled wisdom, he will immediately become filled with love and praise of Hashem and he will desire to know Him. As David HaMelech says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So we were saying over here in the first page is that Hakar Satov is not thanks. Hakar Satov, recognizing the good, creates the relationship. If Nancy does something good for me, Right? Which she does all the time. If Nancy does something good for me, that means that in her life I exist. Because she's giving me recognition. She's doing something, she's doing something for me. So it means I exist. You don't do something for, for nobody. Right? So number one, that means I exist. Number two, she's doing something good. So it means she loves me. She cares about me. Because she's doing something good. If she was doing something bad, maybe she doesn't like me. But if she's doing something good, of course I told, that means that she has, she likes me. So she's recognizing me and she likes me. So automatically, if I know that, I want to have a relationship with such a person. Because I recognize that she recognizes me and is doing good for me, I automatically want to have a relationship with that person. So when a person recognizes that God did something for them, number one, that means God, you know, some girls come to me and they're like, I believe in God, but I think he created the world and he left. Went on vacation to Florida. He does not here anymore. It's not like he knows me. He it's like you know, a professor in college. I'm a student in, in like his world. He doesn't know me by name. He doesn't care about me. I'm just in his world, right? No. So if, I, if you recognize, if if you would come and sit in your seat in in college, and on your chair on your desk would be a flower and some fruit, right, and a delicious lunch. You would say, and, and a letter from the professor, you'd say, whoa, this guy really likes me. Definitely knows who I am. I sat down, there's a rose and fruit. So, so, 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu created all these flowers and all this food, right, for me. So that means that he does recognize me. I'm not just another person in the world. So he does recognize me. He's giving me life. So the Hakaras HaTov is not the thank you. It's the relationship. It's actually the relationship. It's the basis of the relationship. God recognizes me and God is doing good for me. And, and that's why the phone and the buzzing and the iPhones and all the stuff that we're busy with, all the technology doesn't give us the time to recognize what Hashem is doing for us. And if I don't recognize what he's doing for me, then maybe he doesn't even know I'm here. Maybe I'm just sitting in a, in a class in college and I'm just p- part of this world. There's a very beautiful story in this, in the Sefer, not because I wrote it, but it's, it's a fascinating story. There, you'll see it when you, when you buy the book or get the book or however you get the book, whatever. So, um, there was this old man who was 80 years old and he, his wife passed away. He had never had any children. He was very, very poor, and he had every, a lot of different sicknesses. But he used to come to shul, with that oil, and he was always smiling. So one day, a guy walked over to him and said, Chaim, I don't understand. You don't have a wife. You don't have children. You don't have money, right? You're sick every two days. Why are you always smiling? So this is what he said. He said, let me tell you a story. So it was once this man... And he was looking for an apartment. And he walks into this apartment. It's gorgeous. And he sits down and he figures it's going to be $2,500 a month at least, for sure. And he sits down. The guy comes down. He says, okay, let me tell you what's included in the, in the lease. Food, drink, heat, water, gas. You don't have to pay for nothing. Okay, how much is it a month? He goes, till you die, it's free. He's like, excuse me? Until you die, you should live a hundred years? No rent. So he asked the guy who asked him why, he says, would you be happy when you find that out? You just got rent-free, all this stuff for the rest of your life? He says, of course, who gets rent-free? Well, you know, no one gets rent-free, there's no such thing. He says, I'm living in this world, God gives me life, I have water, I have sunshine, I have everything that I need. He never asked me to send him a check. He never asked me to pay him. He said, say thank you, make a bracha. He said, you don't have to pay me. Imagine someone told you, you're looking for an apartment, right, in Flatbush. And the guy says, how much is it? Uh, All you have to do is every day just thank me. Just come by the house and say thank you. We'd all be rushing to that apartment immediately. Right? Big deal. Say thank you. He said, Hashem never asked me to pay him. I don't pay him. I don't pay him for anything. I don't pay God. I pay human beings for stuff. Well, I don't pay God for anything. He says, so why shouldn't I be happy? I'm rent-free in the world. He's giving me life. I don't pay him for life. I don't pay him for rental. My neshama doesn't pay him for rental of my body. It's freebie. No lease. He says, so of course I'm happy. That's, that's the definition of Akar Satov. Recognizing, recognizing the good. So he says here, which I want to tell you a story about last night. He says here that the first of the Ten Commandments, what does it say in the first of the Ten Commandments? Anoichi Hashem Alekecha, Asher Mitzrayim. I am God who took you out of Mitzrayim. No. It should say, I am God who created the world. I am the God who created the world. What do you mean you're the God who took us out of Mitzrayim? You created the whole world. Isn't that much bigger? And the answer is, Hashem is telling us, I created the world 
for everybody when I took you out of Mitzrayim. Klai Yisrael, my children, I did something extra, something special. So in Neichi Hashem Kecha, but don't focus that I created the world. Focus on that I took you out of Mitzrayim. That I'm the one who took you out of Mitzrayim. So the first of the Ten Commandments has a Karsatov in it. I am God, but you need to have a Karsatov that I took you out of Mitzrayim. Now you're going to ask me, girl asked me this, I, I taught this this morning. She said, why do you have to thank Hashem he took you out of Mitzrayim? He put you in Mitzrayim. Good question. If I put you, if I put you in, in a closet and I lock the door, and then I op- I'll let you out three hours later, and I'm like, hey, you better thank me. You're like, right, Wallace, why should I thank you? You put me in the closet. You put me in the closet. Why should I thank you? So the girl said, I don't stare at Wallstein. He put us in Mitzrayim? So now we should thank him? He took us out of Mitzrayim? And the answer is yes, because when he brought us to Mitzrayim, we were 70 separate people. 70-ish came down to Mitzrayim. When we left Mitzrayim, we left as a nation. So we had to go into Mitzrayim to create this nation. So yes, there's something to thank Hashem that we were in Mitzrayim. We were only 70 separate people. Now, we're one. So in Neich Hashem Kecha, the first of the Ten Commandments is, you need to have appreciation. You need to have a curse at all. So, I want to tell you a story. So he bring, we bring down a story of the Manchester Rav. He was walking once and he never, never missed an opportunity to start across the toe. It was a very cloudy day. The clouds parted to allow the sun to shine. He lifted his eyes heavenward and he said, the creator of the world, God has brought out the sun for us. So he was, he was focused like Rabbi Miller. All the shalom, he was very focused on all the good. So I have to tell you a story that happened. So I, I, I read through, I mean, I know the whole book and Yesterday, I, never, I went to a very sad thing. I, there's a girl that I'm very close to, and her parents are not in America, and she's really like very alone, and she had a very tough life, and she finally found this guy that, and got married three and a half years ago, who thought, she thought he's gonna take her out of all her pain, and he's gonna love her, and he's gonna make her special, and that's not what happened at all. She went through a very abusive marriage, and yesterday was her get. She got divorced. But because there was no one here, she asked me if I could go with her. And it was probably the saddest thing I ever saw in my life to, to watch the hopes and dreams of a couple totally just disintegrate. You know, they got married under the chuppah and they thought, she thought this is going to be her life and everything's going to be great, children, family, everything she happens to have a child. And it just, it's just a very, you know, I'm not, I don't go to these things. I go to, I go to weddings, you know. So it was really, really sad. So we're sitting there and she's crying and the whole thing is... And she turns to me, right before they give her the get. She says, so Rabbi Wallerstein, what do you have to say now? Where's God? So I said, what are you saying? And she said, Wallerstein, this is the darkest moment of my life. I thought that this was going to take me out of all the pain and it just caused me more pain. It is so dark in my heart. It is so dark in my soul. So I need you to answer me. Where's God? So here I am sitting there. What do you, what do you answer? The mission, the mission says never, never, never try to make a person, console a person when the, 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 the mace is in front of, when the person who died is in front of them. It's not the time to talk to them. And here she's like, I want an answer. So I told her the following answer, which I got from really writing this book. I said, I'll tell you, it's the darkest moment of your life. I agree. It's very dark, but I'll answer your question. I said, the last year, I don't know if you watched the news, but the last year in the Midwest, 
there hasn't been any rain whatsoever. In California also, we're in the middle of a huge drought. Farm, all the farms, nothing's growing, it's all dead. Um, forest fires all over the place because there's no, there's no moisture. I said, let me ask you, she's sitting next to me, I'm like, let me ask you something. Tomorrow morning, the farmer in Oklahoma, right, he's got this whole field, no rain. He's going to wake up, he's going to open his window shade, it's going to be another sunny day, and he's going to go, ugh, the sun is out again. I said, do you know what he wants to see? He wants to get up in the morning, open up his window, and see dark, black clouds. Because the only clouds that give rain are dark, black clouds. White clouds don't give rain. I said, so if the farmer would wake up and it would be dark, black clouds, he would go outside and he would dance. Because dark, black clouds mean rain. Rain means the potential of his land will start to grow. I said to her, that's what you're in right now. You're sitting here getting a get. Very dark, dark clouds. But you were living a life of dysfunction. You were in a life of pain. So imagine if you couldn't get divorced. Imagine if you had to live like this the rest of your life. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you the ability to step out of this marriage, to find someone who really loves you and cares about you, and rekindles your dreams. So even though it's the darkest hour, it's rain clouds. Now you need to know something, that everything in this world needs moisture to grow. Even in the desert, when it rains, everything grows. But nothing can just grow from sunlight. There has to be some type of moisture. But, but water does not need sun for things to grow. At the bottom of the ocean, right, there's coral, there are plants that grow without sunlight. Zero sunlight. Water has growth. Just sun without any water, without any dark clouds, without any rain, without any pain, without any challenges, just sunlight your whole life, nothing's going to come from it. There has to be dark clouds in a person's life. But those dark clouds are bringing you rain through the dark clouds comes growth, whether it's the person themselves able to overcome their pain and use it to help others, whatever it is. So I said to her, yes, it's a dark room and it's a dark moment, but from those from that dark moment, you're going to become free, and from that freedom in Mitzvah Hashem, things are going to grow again. You're not stuck in a dysfunctional marriage where you're just stuck and you can't get out. You're getting out. Baruch Hashem is letting you out. Baruch Hashem, you're getting a get. Baruch Hashem, you're getting out. So yeah, so yeah, there is a God, even in the worst moment. God's saying, I get, I'm giving you a way out. And in Mitzvah Hashem, I'm the same God. I'll find you someone that really loves you. So they might have to find this guy. What after I'm like, those things we don't know. Gilgal, Tikkun, whatever. That your child, you're the beautiful child. So that child had to come into the world between the two of you. But he's in the world. Now the two of you don't need to, whatever. Whatever it is, I said, but from the dark, that's Hakar Satov. Hakar Satov is that you walk out into a rainstorm and you're like, this is amazing. Look how everything is going to grow. Hakaras Tatovas, you walk out and it's sunny and 94 degrees. This is amazing. Maybe I'll lay out in the sun and get a little bit of a tan today. Okay, it's skin cancer and all that. They're all worried about. So you put on 25 and sunblock, right? So the sun is amazing and the rain is amazing. Everything that Hashem created in this world is amazing. And everything, from, everything that He created in this world. So in, in, from darkness, yeah. 
from darkness is, is a haidu that we say, if I didn't live in the dark, I wouldn't appreciate the sun, the light. If everything was light all the time, you know, people who live in those countries that have like 22 hours of sunlight during the winter, right? They're waiting for darkness. We're all waiting for a sunrise. They're waiting for a sunset. Two hours, I would go out of my mind. Two hours of darkness, that means you sleep for two hours? You go with sugar. Go with sugar. You need, you need eight, nine hours of darkness. So those people are waiting for darkness. We're waiting for sunlight. That's the way the world goes around. That's the way. And that, that's the basis of our Karasatov. The basis of Karasatov is your ability to recognize. It doesn't mean to say thank you. To recognize in any situation, to recognize the good. That causes a relationship. When a person is able to recognize the good, that causes a relationship. Yeah, even with our parents sometimes, we don't have, you know, we, we, we argue and we don't get exactly what we want, but that same mother and that same father is doing so much for you. So yeah, there might be two, three things they're not doing for you and you're angry at them for that, but there's a, there's a, if you have a cross atov, you're thankful to your parents for the things they are doing. It's the basis of, of Judaism, it's the basis of relationship, it's, a, it's the basis of everything. Rezrat Hashem, next week, I hope to have the safest Zikaron, and that I'm going to make you all buy. Because every one of you needs to write every single night what someone did good for you, Hashem did good for you. So that next Rosh Hashanah, you'll come with a book full, you'll be able to open it up to any page, and you'll, you'll be smiling. Because when you, when you read your own book that you wrote, and you read, you read 360 pages of good things that people did for you, how could you feel bad about yourself? Because if, 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 if there's 360 pages that people in Hashem and did good for me, that means that everybody loves me. I have 360 pages of good things that were done for me. Me, there's a me. There's a Ani. There's Ani Ladaidi, Ladaidi Ali. It's the secret. It's the secret of life. It's the, it's the secret of self-esteem. It's, it's, it's the secret of happiness. You have such a book. I'm going to read such a book and I'm going to say, wow, you know, Nechama wrote a beautiful poem that gave me chizik, right? And I'm going to read it and I'm like, wow. There's a person in this world, the Chama, who writes poems to, to, before my shir for, for six years, seven years, whatever it is, to make everybody happy. I'd appreciate that. So the more you know that people and Hashem is doing good for you, the happier the person you are. I'm telling you, it's, it's a revolution. And the app, the app that we're making, which is called the Gratitude Aptitude, it's going to be very cool. Gratitude, you get the gratitude aptitude. Yeah, I got the gratitude aptitude. And we'll do a little rap session with that, you know? You got the gratitude aptitude, right? So... That's my new book right coming out in Hashem. Don't give me attitude, give me gratitude. For some re- for some reason Oscar did not want that to be the title of the book. I don't know why, but I thought it was a great title. So so right, you just give that to your kid. Just you know, it's on her pillow at night. New book called Don't Give Me Attitude, Give Me Gratitude. But they they, they didn't they, they didn't go for it for some reason. Anyway, so listen to this new aptitude, why it's cool. Of course Khasra Shalom if you have an iPhone. I'm not telling you to get an iPhone. Don't get an iPhone for the aptitude. But anyway, what's good about it is like this. If you have the safe this is way nice. So when you come home at night, you're going to sit there and you're going to write beautiful things that someone did for you, that Hashem did for you, your mother did for you. You're going to write about yourself. Today, I didn't eat three bags of potato chips because I knew that would not be good for me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to ever write that because I usually eat three bags of potato chips. But right, you're going to write things that you did good for yourself. Today, I got up early to go running, to go bicycling. Today was the first day that I exercised in a long time. You write good things about yourself, you feel good about yourself. But what's going to happen, you have to write that at night. By the time you sit down at night, you might forget what good things happened at 9 o'clock in the morning. 
But if you have an app, right? So at nine o'clock you have your phone, and something happened in, 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 in the you know in the you went out to eat, and someone did something nice for you, so you're probably going to forget that. But if you have an app, you can write it in right there on the spot. And the cool part about it is that any contact in your app, let's say you write, let's say I would write, um, I want to I want to thank Nachama for her poem. The minute I write the word Nachama, it goes to my contacts on my on my on my iPhone, and not my iPhone. I don't have an iPhone. This is my phone. It's a flip phone. Okay. They're going to say, oh, you have an iPhone. So right away goes to Nechama. Listen to this. I push send. And immediately goes to your phone. The message that I wrote in my app that, you know, Chama wrote, all of a sudden at 11 o'clock at night I write it or whatever I write it. It hits your phone and says, thank you, Nechama, for writing my poem. So you can imagine a, a mother, she's got five, six kids. And she goes to sleep at night and her phone's next to her bed. Right? All of a sudden it goes, bing. Chaim just wrote me in his book. Sarah just wrote me in her book. Can you imagine how she's going to fell? My gosh. Well, my kids, I, w- I made their book tonight. My wife, my husband, it's crazy stuff. It's a revolution. We're going to change the world. People are going to actually like each other. Maybe even love each other. We're going to make it happen. A dream. Mitzvah Okay. Just have to dream. Make, you have to dream. You know the famous story at the Panavetcherov? The best line I ever heard in my life. The Panovich Rav, the very big tzaddik, is a big school in Israel, in Bnei Brak, called Panovich. Huge yeshiva. When he came to Israel, it was a desert. There was nothing there. He walks into the middle of Bnei Brak, it was empty. He walks into the middle of Bnei Brak with his two students, and he says, right here where I'm standing, we're going to build the biggest yeshiva in Israel. There's not even a, a rock there. Okay? Not a cornerstone, nothing. In the middle of nowhere. The neighbor rock was nothing. And they look at him and they're like, Rishishiva. I think Rishishiva is dreaming. And he looks at the two boys. You have to remember these words forever. And he says, You're right. I am dreaming, but I'm not sleeping. Godless. In other words, most people, they dream when they sleep, so nothing happens. He goes, I'm dreaming, but I'm not sleeping, and today, and for part of it, says, you, 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 yeshiva. So, you can dream, but you can't go to sleep. You gotta make, you gotta make it happen. And everyone in this room, you can make it happen. You have to believe. And the, it gives you the kayak when you recognize who you are, it gives you the kayak to do the craziest things, to do the most amazing things. So that's this month coming to Rosh Hashanah. When you're, when you're being judged for the year, but more than that, when you're, you're the beginning of your year, you need to be an Ani when you stand there. You need to be an I. You need to know who you are, what you are, where you were, where you're going, where you want to be. And that's these 30 days, which is not 30 days anymore, that's what we need these 30 days for. To work on ourselves, to become an Ani. Once there's an Ani, then there's a daidi, once there's a daidi, it's a daidi li, and the whole relationship happens. Okay, so this really, really fast. I know it's really late. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about this week's parasha. Just an unbelievable thought. I spoke about it last night by the boy share, and I'll tell it to you very fast. You need accessory ride already? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry about that. 10.15? They always come an hour late anyway. Shh, you got up on your own. Baruch Hashem. Okay, don't rush. They're not here yet. They're not here. They're not here. Chama's walking. The Chama got up. 
Nisim and Aflois. Nechamah, thank you very much. We'll see you next week, Emet Hashem. Your poem is here. Here, please bring it to her. Next week I'll have my book and I'll be able to write in it on Wednesday night to thank you for your poem. Mir Hashem. All right, you're welcome. Did you see what just happened? Nisim and Aflois. She got up on her own. She walked. Amazing. Excellent. Okay, must be Malka. Malki was sending her good energy. She popped out of the chair faster than me. All right. See what Akarza Tov does? All of a sudden, you can jump out of your chair. Anyway, this week's Pasha is Kiseitse Lamochama. So just tell you really fast. What it, what it talks about is when men went to war, Jewish men went to war. So if they saw a non-Jewish girl, what they used to do in the old times with the war... So they used to take down their old beautiful girls. So when the guys were going to fight, they were busy looking at the girls. Boom. They got hit with an arrow while they were looking at the girls. So the girls would put on makeup. The Midianites, the Midian women and the Moab women, they put on makeup and high heels. And, and, and they, would up, they would do their hair. And they would look really beautiful. So that the Jewish men should be looking at them. And then they're going to get killed. That was their idea. So what happens? It says a man goes to work and he sees one of these non-Jewish women. And he's like, wow, I want to marry her. You know? So the halacha is, he brings her home. And the Torah tells you the following. He brings her home. And he shaves off her hair. They shave off her hair. They, there's a machlokas, interesting machlokas. It says, Shave her hair, because that was part of her beauty. The woman's beauty is her hair, and she had it all made up, and with diamonds in it, and got some ISIS, right? To get him attracted. So we, we, bald, we make her bald. So that's gone. So now she's not so attractive anymore. And then, so there's a machlokes in Chazal. We want to make her look ugly. We don't want her to marry her. So there's a machlokes. What does it mean? And she does. She makes her nails. What does that mean? So half the rabbis say it means just like she shaved off her head, you got to cut off her nails because they used to wear long nails with all kinds of nail polish to attract the men. And the other rabbis say no. means they let. The, what's disgusting about nails? They let them grow very long. So some said they cut their nails. Some said they let them grow very long. At the end of the day, it was supposed to make her ugly, so they did that. Then they removed the clothing that she was wearing because she would put on very provocative, attractive clothing so the Jewish men would look at her. So the women would take, the Jewish ladies would change them and take off their beautiful clothing. I don't know, they put on house coats or something. I don't know what they put on them. Something very unattractive. I'm going to get now email from all the house coat stores talking about our house coats are not attractive but very unattractive burlap sack dresses I'm going to get another email okay anyway so they tried to make her very ugly so they took off her beautiful clothing fashionable clothing so she's bald she's got either no nails or long nails she's wearing miserable clothing and then they would tell her to sit and cry because we killed your father and we killed your mother in the war and you're now an oval right to sit on the floor and cry so she's crying she ain't a happy camper because she's because you captured me. I don't really want to marry you. So she's in a miserable mood. She looks miserable, right? We're hoping that that girl that he saw, he's not going to like anymore. And he's going to let her go. He can't sell her. He can't make her a slave. He has to let her go. Okay. Then the Torah goes on and the Torah tells us if a man is married to two women and the Bechar, the older one, came from this non-Jew who he married. She became a gear and he married her, but he doesn't like her. So, and the older one is from her, and he wants to really give double portion to the Jewish lady who's the second child. 
so he's not allowed to do that. He has to give it, but he calls Ben Snua. What happens? This woman who he fell in love with because of the way she looked, but now they changed everything, and he married her anyway. He doesn't like her anymore because she's not Jewish. She doesn't know how to make kugel. She doesn't know how to make chulin. She doesn't know how to make matzo balls. She has no idea, right? She's not Heimish. Forget about it, right? She doesn't know how to talk the language. She doesn't know how to spend money. She's not Jewish. So, so with, with respect, right? So he doesn't like her, so she becomes a snua. What happens to that child? The next Pasha talks about a Ben Saramira, a child that ends up rebelling. What's the halacha? We have to take him out and we have to stone him. And who has to throw the first two stones? His mother and father. So we're, we're telling this man, you need to know that this woman who you fell in love with because she was dressed like that and looked like that, in the end, in the end, the consequence of what you're about to do is you're going to end up having a child that you yourself are going to throw the first stone at. So don't marry her. Don't let this happen. Don't let the consequence happen. That's, just, that's the normal translation of this week's parsha. But let me tell you the Kabbalistic translation of this week's parsha, And we'll end with this. When you will go out to war on your enemy. Who's your enemy if you're a Jew? Yitzhahara. Your enemy, singular. Your enemy. Right? So when you will go to war against your enemy, against the Yitzhahara. And you're going to win the war. You're going to... He's going to tell you to do this Aveira, and you're going to say no. You're going to win. The Shivisa Shivyai. He's going to become your captive. Why? Why are you going to win against the Yitzhahara? Because you didn't sit back. You stepped up. You can't wait for the Yitzhahara to come. Listen, I got movies, but I'm not playing them. I got the internet, but I don't look. You're done. You have to take the first step, like I need You went to war against your enemy, against the Yitzhak. You flipped out the movies. You turned off, you turned off your phone. You didn't go where all your friends were going. You didn't sit there passive. You did things to go to war against the Yitzhara. Hashem says, If you take the first step against the I guarantee you, says Hashem, I will put him in your hands. You will win. He will become your captive. Now the word unisano is a, how do you say it? Palladrum? Right? Because the word unisano, vav, nun, tav, nun, vav, spells unisano both ways. Like what famous word? Race car. Why are you laughing? Race car spells race car both ways. Did you know that? The biggest that's the biggest paradigm that exists, the word race car. Go write it down on a piece of paper, take out a pen, write R-A-C-E-C-A-R, spells race car both ways, the E is in the middle. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't lie to you. Okay, an easy one is like David, spells David both ways, wow. But race car is big, so unisono goes both ways, unisono. What's on, what's on the front part of, in the passage? Ayecha, the Yetzirah. Unisono, Hashem biyadecha. So on one side of this word unasano is the Yetzirah. On the other side of this word unasano is Hashem. Hashem says, if you go to war against the Yetzirah, I, on the other side of the word unasano, I will put him, I will help you. I will put, you open up the, the hole of a needle and I'll open the hole of a Pesach. Beautiful. But, okay, so you won, right? It's like addiction. You went up, you went to rehab, I'm done. I beat my addiction, Rabbi Wallstein. I don't gamble no more. I don't drink anymore. I don't do any drugs anymore. 
I beat it. Because you have to. If you don't step in and do it yourself, it ain't going to happen. You have to take the first step. So I beat it, right? No, says the pastor. No, 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 no. Yitzhar doesn't go to sleep. And he doesn't have... He has one day off a year. You know that. There's one day off he takes a year. What day is that? Yom Kippur. How do you know the Yitzhar takes off one day a year? He gets one day vacation. Because if you take the word Hasatan, Hasatan, right? Hey is five. Shin is 300. Tes is nine. And Nun is 50. What does that equal? 364. So Hasatan only works 364 days a year. There are 365 days. What's the one day he doesn't work? Yom Kippur. See that? Very cool. Hasatan, 364. So, so listen to this. So what's the problem? Says the next Pasuk, The problem is like this, and I can tell you this from my experience. As long as what you did, still the memory of it, still is something that you're happy about. Yeah, you remember when we went to those movies? We had such a good time. And like, I talked to my friend. Remember we used to gamble in AC? We made so much money. We had such a good time. Remember that story with that one, that one, that one? And everybody's laughing. If that's how you look at your past, you're going to relapse, says the Torah. When you look at your captive, which is the Satan that you beat, it looks like, it looks beautiful. You know what? I'm struggling, but I understand Rabbi Wolfstein. But you know, I love movies. And I love TV. And I love social networking. Right? As long as you love it and you think it's fun. You look at the eight hour that you captured, but it's still beautiful. And you still miss it. And you still want it. In the end, you're going you're to relapse. You're going to take it back. So, so how do you beat that? How do you beat, you, 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 you captured this, but you miss it. I miss talking to boys. Rabbi, what am I going to tell you? I used to have boyfriends. I, I know I'm a good girl now. I stopped it. But I'm not going to tell you that it wasn't cool and it wasn't fun. Terry says, as long as it's still cool and fun in your head, you're going to relapse. So, so, so what do you do? I have the same struggle. So what do you do? So the Terry tells us, you have to take this Yetzirah and you have to strip it down. The Gilcha Ezraisha, you have to shave its head. What does this mean? What is it saying over here? It's saying over here, the only way to overcome this whole thing, what, what's the beauty? We see the beauty is all the outside beauty. The, the, the enjoyment of the moment. What's the Yetzirah? The Yetzirah is party, now enjoy the moment. What, what's, the, what's the main difference between your Yetzirah and your Yetzirah? The way they work. What's the difference between the two of them? The main difference is like this. Yetzirah, no consequence. Moment. Now. Enjoy. Yetzirah, all consequence. The Yetzirah is always thinking about every action has a reaction. The Yetzirah is thinking about the reaction. The Yetzirah is thinking about the action. Listen, you're enjoying it. What are you worried about? And Yetzirah is, yeah, but there's a price to pay. There's a consequence. The difference between immaturity and maturity is a, 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 a child and a, and a teenager doesn't think about consequences. We're part, we're having a good time. So I'm doing drugs, so big deal. I'll stop whenever I want to. Doesn't think of an adult thinks, oh my gosh. As you get older, right, and you become my age and a little bit older, all of a sudden consequence is the biggest word in your life. 
Because you're thinking like, the moment's not that important. The consequence, what am I doing? How am I going to change the world? What am I leaving in this world? What am I going to be in the next world? When you're a teenager, you don't think about it. You think about the now, right? We're thinking about the then. So over here, the Torah is telling us, if you beat that addiction, how do you not relapse? And the answer is, if you strip away the the fun that you had and whatever you were doing and you cut the hair off so to say and you cut the nails off and you and you t- you change the clothing you will see that the action that you're doing is ugly because what does ugly mean it's it, it has a negative it's going to cause a negative consequence in your life that's ugly having fun now right eating food that's going to hurt your heart later on or doing things that's going to hurt your body later on you're going to have to pay for it later on that's not a good thing you did because you're enjoying it it's a bad thing that you did so the Chumash is telling us over here a very important lesson that even when you win until you turn what you did into something you strip it away from its beauty and it's not something you like anymore right? until you do that you're going to relapse but if you do that what's going to happen he says you're going to send them packing you're not going to ever relapse again you're going to send that addiction goodbye but as long as even though you had the strength to fight it and it became yours but it's still like wow that was fun wow I like the way it used to taste wow I, I like as long as that you don't it doesn't bother you it's not disgusting then I, I met this guy who hypnotizes people to lose weight so I'm like how you do that right I'd like to do that they don't, it doesn't last it doesn't last but it, it works for a certain amount of time. The hypnosis is that when you look at a bag of potato chips, I love potato chips and chocolate, right? When you when you hypnotize, you look at a bag of potato chips, you see the oil like just dripping off the potato chips. You see the oil dripping off your face. You see your acne pimples popping. You see your heart getting full of all kinds of of, 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 of cholesterol. It's like you look at that thing and you like get naughty. Ooh, that's the hypnosis. This thing that you're looking at becomes disgusting and ugly. What does that mean? That you're stripping away potato chips, crunch, delicious. So my cholesterol is going to go up to 900. I don't care, right? You're stripping that away and you're seeing it for what it really is. And once you do that, you will never eat potato chips again until it wears off. You're not going to eat potato chips. What do you mean? Because I, I see what it really is. I'm looking through all the crunch and everything else. It's disgusting. It's going to, it's going to ruin my whole body. That that is what the Torah is telling us here in Pashat Kisese. In Pashat Kisese, we always learn in Elo. In Elo, you need to focus on who you are, but you also need to strip away the things that you do and understand that there's a consequence. And when there's a consequence and you realize there's a consequence, all of a sudden it's not so beautiful. I remember we showed this in my in my high school. You know, the kids were drinking a lot, a lot of drinking and drugging. And they came out with this video on YouTube of somewhere in Europe where this girl was driving in a car with her three friends and she was drunk and this crazy accident. And in the accident, they show blood and, and the three kids going through the windshield. And it's like, it's like the most terrible, disgusting, scary movie you ever saw in your life. And I never saw something that had a bigger effect on my girls or my speeches when they saw that. Why? Because they saw them having a good time, they saw them drinking and laughing, and all of a sudden they saw them all dead. The same girls that were drinking and laughing were all of a sudden all dead in, in parts, and in different parts, body parts. And all of a sudden they said, oh my gosh, that drinking and laughing, the consequence is dead. So what happened all of a sudden is that the drinking became dead. 
That's the Swiss Parsha. Swiss Parsha is strip away. Look at the consequence of your action. If you look at the consequence of the action, you'll see the ugliness of the action. If you see the ugliness of the action, you're able, you'll be able to set, to set the addiction and the Yetzirah free. May Hashem give us all the Kayak. Once again, thank you for waiting. Give us all the Kayak to have the ability to set all our addictions and all our Veros to set it free and that Bezrat Hashem we should have a Ksiva and a good bench, Joe. Thank you. Next week we're going to have the, the new Sefer Zichronos. And don't forget we have 12 Avina Malkanos this year. Mitzah Hashem. Who's speaking about- You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.